We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, you might say, look, you're a Patriots fan. You've had some great moments. And sure, look, six Super Bowls. It's been a tremendous run. If the Brady era is over now, we've had a tremendous run. Um, you know, people might think, oh, it was probably the Tyree catch or, or the Manaham catch in those two Super Bowls that you think about, you know, dark days as a Patriots fan. I think about those two games, that 05 game against Denver in that moment and this one against Indy. It's January 2007, Patriots at Colts. This is Remember That Game, the podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Emmerich. And my guest is SB Nation NFL reporter Mark Schofield. We recorded this in Indianapolis during the 2020 NFL Combine, just as the Tom Brady leaving New England news was breaking. So a nice little time capsule. Enjoy the show. Great to be with you. I'm excited to talk about this game. And that might sound odd because we're going to be talking about a game that the Patriots lost. But it's a lot better than talking about... Tom Brady potentially not being a New England Patriot come next season, which has been, thanks to stories by Jeff Dollarton and others, the talk of Indianapolis on today, Thursday morning. How did you feel when the Patriots went up 21-3 on the Asante Samuel pick six, knowing that Peyton's got weapons and Brady's working with a green receiving core? Yeah, when you know, you think back to those Patriots Colts games um, during the 2000s when those two teams are going at it, and you know, as a Patriots fan, as somebody that follows that team, you never felt comfortable. You know, when you know number 18 and the weapons that he had at his disposal, and the fact that look, this was a road game for New England. This was the first AFC Championship game in Indianapolis, I think, ever, and you know, it was a crazy atmosphere that day. Um, you felt relieved that they had the lead. But you certainly didn't feel comfortable. And it was a situation where you knew that, you know, they didn't need much time to score. So you had the feeling in the back of your mind that, look, they need points on the board. They need to keep moving the ball against this defense. They can't, you know, rest back. 21 points is not going to get it done. Colts stormed, tied it up 21-21, made up an 18-point deficit in little over a quarter. This was a Patriots defense that had broken the team record for points allowed that season. They went in winning 6 of 8 heading into that game and then suddenly in Indy, you know, not too far from where we are right now at the old RCA Dome. Peyton Storm's back. Uh, how much do you think the receiving options that year played in the Colts not or the Patriots not being able to keep their foot on the pedal? 
I mean, it was a huge aspect of their inability to keep putting points on the board like they needed to. And the weird thing about this game, you know, thinking back, because um, when you know re- you reached out while doing this show, I actually took some time last night, rewatched some of the game, rewatched some of the highlights. I was reminded that New England's first points they came on an offensive lineman recovering a touchdown in the end zone for a fumble. And then that's one of the things that the Colts ended up doing as well. You have a Jeff Saturday touchdown recovery in the end zone. And I remember thinking that moment, I was watching that game with my wife, and I thought, I really don't have a good feeling about this game at all. And that was strange to say because if you think back to the divisional round game, Patriots had to go to the West Coast, had to go on the road against the Chargers, an extremely talented team. You know, you had Phil Rivers, you had the Damian Thomas, and a lot of people thought that the Chargers might have been the best team in the league that year. And they have that Brady throws an interception and Troy Brown somehow strips it away and recovers the fumble. It had that sort of maybe this is a team of destiny type of feel to it. But then when you have that comeback from Indianapolis, you have Jeff Saturday's touchdown recovery, I turned to my wife and said, all the good feelings from last week are gone. Like, I have no confidence right now that this team is going to somehow find a way to win this game. And the, the lack of offensive weapons was a huge part of that. There was the sense that every time Tom Brady dropped back to pass, they were going to have to find a way to scheme people open. Guys weren't going to be able to just sort of create and win one-on-one mismatches. They had opportunities. Guys couldn't catch the ball. He couldn't connect with the receivers. It was a struggle, you know, at times throughout that season. It was a struggle certainly in that game. And there are certainly, I know we're going to get into it, some parallels to what, we're going to, what we saw last season from the New England Patriots. How they react in 2007, bringing in Welker and Moss and company. Do you think all that's going to come to fore this offseason as far as how the Patriots attack receiver? It's funny. If you had asked me that question 24 hours ago, I would have thought that, yeah, you know, they, they've, they're going to learn their lesson. They're going to want to put people around Tom Brady. They're going to want to try to sort of figure out if they can add some weapons to the mix for him. You know, but in the past 24 hours, the mood around Brady has sort of changed a bit. You know, we had the stories from Jeff Darlington, um, Karen Kukujan from the Boston Herald. She also said that, like, she's reached out and per source, it doesn't look good with bringing Tom Brady back. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the expectations were that New England was going to get him some weapons and get him some help. But in talking to some people in and around the organization over the past couple of days, the thinking is perhaps they tried that last year in a sense. You know, they drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round. They won a trade for Muhammad's new, giving up a second-round pick, which was, in a sense, a very unpatriot-like move. It was. It almost had that feel of they're panicking a little bit. They need to add another weapon. They, Admittedly, they sort of missed on the tight end situation. They got the decision from Rob Gronkowski a little later than they would have liked that he was retiring. They liked Jared Cook. But the fact that, you know, Robert Gronkowski was lingering, that gave Cook some pause about potentially going to New England. He didn't want to be a second fiddle type of guy. So then they had to sort of patch it around when Gronkowski decided to retire. But you do sort of wonder if they did learn the lesson, but they tried it last year. It didn't work. And so maybe this idea that Brady is going to move on, they're just a year late. They missed it. They missed that window. They missed the opportunity to sort of reload for one last run. They did learn the lesson of 2006, 2007. They tried the, the best they could last year. It didn't fix it. They had the offensive woes they've had. And now if Brady does sort of move on and they don't sort of reload around him, they're going to have to sort of rebuild without Tom Brady. They did make more of an effort in 2019 than 06 at receiver, though definitely some real analogs. I'm going to draw some. I like to throw random quiz games in the middle. They're like pseudo-quiz games. This one's going to be called If 06 Were 1-9. And we have a lot of parallels between players. Julian Edelman, the aging vet, who they're leaning on for one more season as a go-to possession guy in 06 that's... 
Troy Brown. Yep. And what's amazing about Troy Brown and, you know, thinking about Troy Brown, the evolution of Troy Brown, a guy that, you know, similar to Julian Edelman in a sense, a guy that, you know, they just found different ways to get him involved. If you think back to where Troy Brown, you know, one part of the reason he was able to have that strip and that uh, Chargers game was his background, and then they had, had they, had, they had used him on the defensive side of the ball, playing in the secondary. You think back to Julian Edelman and the evolution of his career. I mean, Patriots fans still have nightmares of a, of a sort of game-winning touchdown drive situation. Julian Edelman out there covering Anquan Bolden as a defensive back. I mean, so those are two guys, you know, slot-type receivers that because of their, you know, short area quickness, their three cones, uh, their change of direction ability, they trusted them on the defensive side of the ball as well. And so, yeah, there are definitely some some similarities there. And the other thing I do have to mention is, look, my parents are both Patriots fans. My mom's favorite player was originally Troy Brown. Then it became Julian Edelman. So there's one more parallel there, just the fact that, you know, when mom likes a player, I got to take, you know, particular attention to that player. On that key third down near the end in 06, Pats have a chance to put the game away. Brady passing down, looks for Troy Brown at the sticks. Bob Sanders drives on it. They, they see it coming. And then this, this season there are times where other teams just knew they had to go through Edelman if they were going to move and key in on that kind of stifled the offense. Yeah, um, and, and that was part of the struggles, you know, in both those teams, you know, the 06, 07 team, and then, you know, this past season is that teams knew this year that they could double Edelman or at least bracket him with some safety help over the top and use a defensive back on James White because the Patriots love to get sort of those mismatches. And anytime, you know, there was a game earlier this season where they got, you know, James White isolated, isolated against Matt Milano, the Buffalo Bills linebacker on a wheel route. It was the biggest play of that game, that week four game between those two teams. You know, teams like the Houston Texans, they sort of set that blueprint in that Sunday night game, which was a you know a Houston Texans blowout win where we'll double Edelman, we'll use a defensive back, we'll use a corner on James White, somebody with better coverage skills to take him away. It was the same thing with the 06 team. You know, they would bracket Troy Brown and force him to look to Jabbar Gaffney or Rache Caldwell, who had a drop in this game. You know, and when you take away a team's best option – you know, it's going to be tough to succeed as an offense. And it's a very Belichick-type way of defending an offense. Belichick's known for seeing what you do best, taking that away and making you fight with your offhand or making you fight with one arm behind your back, whichever analogy you want to use. That's what teams did to the Patriots this season. That's what the Colts did back in 2006. In the second half, yeah, Colts scored 32 points, which was more than the Patriots had allowed an entire game that season. Getting the ball back really quick from the Patriots, uh, Patriots missing opportunities in offense, and you mentioned the Rochelle Caldwell drop, and uh, the iconic uh, Caldwell face after that. Um, and I kept thinking about that face before the season when I was reading reports about Tom Brady kind of getting out ahead of it about how, I guess, unproven his receiving core was and how dicey it was looking in training camp. Yeah, I mean, there are some parallels there, too, because, you know, they did take the first-round pick with Nikhil Harry, who they had a lot of confidence in, but you had that moment. And I was actually out to dinner a couple of nights ago with some other writers, and they were asking me about Brady and his circle of trust, and I brought up that slant route that he tried to throw to Nikhil Harry in that Houston Texans game on Sunday night where the receiver, the defender jumped it for a pick six, and Nikhil Harry got that sort of Brady stare of death and was sort of iced out from the game plan for the next couple of weeks because he didn't fight for the football, he didn't fight at the catch point, gave up the interception for a pick six, and he just never had the sort of confidence in guys like Harry. You could even make the case that Philip Dorsett, a player that's now been in this system for three seasons now, 
Brady still doesn't have the confidence in him. Brady still doesn't have that feel for him. Dan Orlovsky highlighted again. I keep coming back to this Texans game on Sunday night, but it was so emblematic of these problems they had on offense this year where he Dorsett was supposed to convert a route. He didn't do it. Brady threw it where he should have been, but he had broken off the route earlier than that. And Brady just sort of looked at him and then later was seen on the sideline saying, I just, they're just not doing the right thing. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. That's the sort of thinking in and around New England is that you know Brady knows this offense inside and out. It's a difficult offense to learn as a receiver. We've seen veteran-type receivers come through and just not be able to learn it. Chad Ochocinco is one example of that. If you can't get on the same page with Brady, it's going to be tough for him to have that confidence in you. And so, you know, that circle of trust with Brady, it's a real thing. You know, that playbook asks you to do so much as a receiver from a route conversion standpoint. And if you can't get on the same page with him, you're going to find yourself on the outside looking in. And in that 06 game, uh, emblematic in the, the stat sheet, the one receiver or the one target to get more than three targets and average more than eight yards per target in that game was Heath Evans. Yeah, Heath Evans. And, you know, it's, again, it does sort of come full circle because before he got injured, James Devlin, the Patriots fullback, was, you know, a staple of their offense. Maybe not so much as a receiving threat, but at least he was somebody that had a big impact on that offense, a big impact on their running game. If you think back to a season ago when they sort of discovered that 21 personnel package with Sonny Michelle running behind James Devlin. Devlin was a lead blocker that Sony Michelle trusted, and you could see without James Devlin in front of him, Michelle sort of lacked that confidence. You know, they would throw to James Devlin at time to time as well, but, you know, there's a bigger type receiver that, you know, they lacked this year. Certainly the loss of Rob Gronkowski, that also played a role into it because some of those routes where, you know, you've got somebody releasing to the flat that they would throw to Heath Evans, even though he had a drop in that game as well, you know, that's stuff that the tight end would be doing. And Heath Evans also had that 12 men on the on the field penalty, you know, late in the fourth quarter when the Patriots ended up going. I think it was a three and out that gave Indianapolis the ball back for their game winning touchdown drive. And so, yeah, Heath Evans is a game that is, is a name that you bring it up in New England, and you're going to get some size, you're going to get some eye rolls, you're going to get some exasperated looks because people come back when they hear Heath Evans and they think of that game and that penalty and that drop. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Pretty wild a game where it's 38-34 between Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Most of the touchdowns are scored by players who aren't skill position players. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, you know, you, you're looking, like I said, you have a Jeff Saturday touchdown. You've got a Logan Mankins touchdown. I mean, Asante Samuel with a pick six, a Dan Klecko one-yard touchdown reception. I mean, if you go back and you tell people, look, all right, during the, their rivalry, you know, Peyton and Brady, they had a game that was 38-34. Who do you think scored the most points? Nobody would tell you these names. Like these games, these names just would not come up. And so it was one of the more bizarre games. And I will say this: there have been, in my life as a Patriots fan, there have been only two moments where I actually got—I don't want to say violent, but broke something. Okay, one was the year prior, the Champ Bailey interception return against Denver. I had an old flip phone. And that phone just happened to meet a wall at a rather high rate of velocity at the moment that that happened. And we were actually, my wife and I, we were at a party and she was like, I can't believe you just broke your phone. I'm like, I can't believe Brady just threw a 118-yard pick six. Like, what do you mean? And then it was the next year, um, this game when, you know, Brady threw the interception at the end to, to basically end the game. My wife and I, the condo we were living in, we had a fireplace and I was kind of like stoking the fire, like nervous energy as that was going on. And I just kind of like threw it into the fireplace when that happened and that made for a pretty awkward moment as well when I had to try to fish that out with gloves on and stuff. But, you know, you might say, look, you're a Patriots fan. You've had some great moments. And sure, look, six Super Bowls. It's been a tremendous run. If the Brady era is over now, we've had a tremendous run. Um, you know, people might think, oh, it was probably the Tyree catch or, or the Manaham catch in those two Super Bowls that you think about, you know, dark days as a Patriots fan. I think about those two games, that 05 game against Denver in that moment and this one against Indy. Patriots did a great job of you know, tying the Colts' right hand behind their back. Um, did a good job on Wayne and Harrison. They barely combined for over 100 yards. But with the game on the line, the, the defense being a little diminished from the regular season played in, you have Rodney Harrison out, you have Junior Seau out, and you have Eric Alexander, who had not made a regular season start in his career, in at linebacker, Colts, need 80 yards to get to the end zone, get in the two-minute drill. Manning finds Brian Fletcher against Eric Alexander as the play that tips the AFC title. Yeah, it's just, look, that's one of the beauties. Um, That's one of the beautiful things about this sport is that, you know, with the roster sizes the way they are, with the injuries and the attrition that can happen over the course of a season, over the course of a game, 
you might find in huge moments, people put into situations where, you know, it's that line from Miracle, right? Great moments are born of great opportunities. And, you know, the Colts had a situation with there where because of injuries on the other side of the ball, they were able to find some guys that maybe weren't household names or maybe weren't a focal part of their offense. But because of the way the matchups played out due to injuries and other reasons, you know, you had a guy like that that could step up in a moment, isolated against a linebacker who, like you said, you know, hadn't really played that much and to make a big throw and to make a big catch and make a big reception and put that team in position for the Joseph Adai touchdown run. And, again, that's the beauty of this sport. That's the beauty, you know. Interestingly, like you said, we're just, you know, steps away from Lucas Oil. We're steps away from the convention center. The, the combine's getting underway today. And there are a lot of people right now who want to be the next person in the league to have a moment like that. And this game is just a, another example of, you know, this game in particular of the chances that can come, you know, if you stick around, stick around in the league you'll have an opportunity you can make a play and put your team in a position to be in a Super Bowl and yeah, you mentioned that Adai run at the end is that a little preview of Ahmad Bradshaw a few years later do, they, do you think the Patriots let him go in yeah I think that's exactly right I mean one of the things that Bill Belichick as you know a head coach and as you know a football mind prides himself on and prides his teams on you know are the situational moments the little situations that you might see once a season but they will practice and prepare for those during training camp, during the week, because those little situations like an intentional safety or letting a team score or tackling a guy inbounds because you know that they don't have timeouts and they don't they won't be able to run another play. Those little moments that you might not think of, but they will matter. I think that was another example of that. Like they needed that they knew they needed to get the ball back. You know, they knew that they, the only chance they had to win was to put points on the board at that point. You know, Indy was in position to win the game. And so I think you're right. It was, an, it was definitely a preview of that Bradshaw play a few years later. And to dip back into if 06 were 1-9 on that final drive, Brady has a minute left. Makes some headway down the field quickly with the 2006 analog to Ben Watson, who would be... Who would be Ben Watson? I know. And it's so strange how it's all sort of like come full circle for Ben Watson. And... You know, it's just another example of how, you know, the Patriots last offseason, the, the the decision by Gronkowski to retire late really did hamstring them at the tight end position. And it's part of the reason why, you know, weeks ago, the, 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 the line of thinking and the storylines were the Patriots wanted the decision on Brady sooner rather than later from his point of view because they don't want to get hamstrung again where it's, you know, suddenly April or right before the draft and most of free agency has happened and now they have to realize they have to replace Tom Brady you know so they wanted to get the ball rolling on that sooner rather than later but you know Ben Watson you know in his second act here in New England he was the only real threat they had at the tight end position this year um, they tried other guys like Ryan Izzo um, they tried some other guys like Austin Safarian Jenkins and that didn't pan out um, but the tight end position was really a mess for him. And they had the four-game suspension from Watson. You know, luckily for them, that was when they had Antonio Brown, and that was when they had Josh Gordon, and so they could piece it together. But with Gordon gone, with Brown gone, you know, they just didn't really have the weapons. And that's another thing to keep in mind, you know. When you think about the idea of them trying to get Tom Brady help, when this last year started, you had Antonio Brown on the roster. You had Josh Gordon on the roster. You had Julian Edelman on the roster. You had a first-round wide receiver, Nikhil Harry. And, yeah, the tight end position was a little thin, but you're looking at those four guys. You don't need a tight end, right? You can just run 10 personnel out there with James White in the backfield. Those are five pretty good weapons. But by the end of the season, you know, Gordon was in Seattle. Brown was losing his mind on Instagram. And Julian Edelman was getting double-covered, and he had torn rib cartilage and could barely play. 
perhaps they make a, an attempt this offseason that involves less of a risk profile back in 07. Uh, Randy Moss was, you know, having trouble in Oakland. It didn't seem as kind of wild as with Antonio Brown last offseason. And Wes Welker seemed like a solid possession option in Miami. Do you feel like maybe they they try to redouble this offseason but a, a attack risk from a different perspective? I mean, I think that's probably a, a thing that they'll keep in mind. Um, something certainly to keep in mind is Julian Edelman himself because, you know, he's a little bit older than Welker was when he started to fall off. And the Patriots are very cognizant of the fact that, you know, the slot receiver in their offense, it's almost like playing running back. It's a very, you know, you get a lot of mileage on that body because you take a lot of hits. You do so much over the middle and underneath, and you're running routes sometimes into zones that are covered by linebackers and not cornerbacks. And so, you know, they're very wary of the fact that they need to think about replacing Julian Edelman at some point. That's why we've heard James Prochet, the slot receiver from SMU, as a player that's been linked to them throughout the draft process because he could probably step in and fill that mold. That, that role for them. And so I think they're going to try to make sure that they hit on the people that they bring in. Because like you said, the, the Gordons, the Browns, they sort of swung for the fences with those guys. And they had moments. Obviously, Brown had the, you know, the touchdowns in that game against Miami. But they weren't there consistently. And, you know, they need to have the ability to have a 17-game season or a 16-game season, whatever it's going to be next year, with guys that they count on both in Weeks 1 and in Week 16. Yeah, and then on that final drive, eventually fell by an interception to Marlon Jackson, one week after being saved by the fumble by Marlon McCree. Did it feel like that season they, they had like a rabbit foot up to that point in any way? Is it, did that feel that way at all in 2019 as well? Yeah, I mean, it certainly did because, you, again, you look back to the division round game a week prior with that, you know, interception that Brady threw that, you know, Troy Brown stripped away. It sort of had that sort of, you know, this is a very, very lucky team. You get a, a field goal missed at the end of the game as well from a kicker who was fairly automatic. Um, and, and so you sort of felt like, you know, this team might have something to it, might be a little bit of a team of destiny. And then you look at the way this season unfolded for the Patriots and, you know, back in October, people are talking about the boogeymen. They're talking about the best defense in football. You know, Stephon Gilmore, the defensive player of the year. But I, th I think a lot of that was smoke and mirrors. And it was sort of, you know, you heard murmurs of it uh, sort of on sports radio and things like that in the Boston area that, look, they haven't really played anybody. You know, you get Miami and they're bad. You get the Jets and they don't even have Sam Darnold. You know, they're, they're playing a bunch of paper tigers at this point. You knew coming out of their bye week that stretch that they had with, you know, Kansas City, with Baltimore, with Houston, with Dallas, like Philadelphia. That was going to be a really tough stretch. And that's when you started to see really some of the problems that they had both on offense and defense, the lack of weapons around Tom Brady, the fact that, okay, they could shut down a guy like, you know, Luke Falk for the Jets or, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen when they were playing and some of these other quarterbacks they faced. But a Lamar Jackson was going to give them problems. A Patrick Mahomes was going to give them problems. A, you know, Deshaun Watson was going to give them problems. And so as the season sort of wore on, you got the sense that, look, the defense was buoyed by some really poor opponents early. The offense isn't going to be as good as it needs to be. They don't have that balance like they've had in years past. And Tom Brady, even as good as he still is, isn't going to be enough to make up the difference. And that 06 Patriots team, and from a personal perspective, you have a mix of great players, and players have been great for the Patriots. You have uh, you know, Mike Frabel, Teddy Bruschi, Junior Seau, Rodney Harrison, Vince Wilfork, um, Richard Seymour. 
a completely stacked roster, but at the end of the season, they lose in the AFC title with the dearth at receiver. I imagine it's hard to find a silver lining and not being able to go to the Super Bowl to play Rex Grossman and see what happens. But I imagine maybe uh, you know, some people have argued there is a silver lining to losing the way they did in 2019. Yeah, I mean, there might be sort of a silver lining in it in that, you know, they now have an opportunity to either reload and make some last sort of run here or to reset. You know, and, I, and here out in Indianapolis, I've talked to a lot of people in and around, you know, whether it's people who cover the team regularly or people, you know, in the organization. And that phrase, reset button, is something I'm hearing more and more of because you look at the fact that, like, a guy like Joe Tooney, their left guard, it's such a thin guard market. He's going to command a big-time deal. It might be hard to bring him back. You look at, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball, guys like Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins, they are up for new deals. And, you know, they're probably going to test the market. And I'm sure at least Van Noy, if not both of them, are going to command some big-time free agent dollars. There are a lot of teams out there with money to spend. You know, Devin McCourty's getting to the end of his career, and they'll probably bring him back. But, and of course, there's the Tom Brady situation. And so there is this sort of sense that the 2020 New England Patriots might be a completely different-looking team than what we're used to seeing. You might see a lot of new faces at big positions, including quarterback. And while that seems like it might be, you know, not a silver lining at all, it's fascinating from both a fan perspective and as somebody that covers the team to think about the next version of the Patriots and what that might look like and to see what they could do in terms of developing a quarterback to replace Tom Brady, whether that's Jared Stenham or somebody else, to see how they sort of answer the question which people have been debating for years, was it Brady or was it Belichick? We might actually get to see that answered this next season because if Tom Brady does go elsewhere – We'll get to know. And so it's fascinating to think about from that sort of standpoint. I know New England Patriots fans would love to see Tom Brady back. My listeners on my show, uh, my readers and stuff, they tell me all the time, look, I can't imagine life with Tom Brady. I had one guy tell me today that, like, he was in second grade when Brady first started for the Patriots. That's all he's known. Sometimes you just got to see changes in life. You know, changes are part of life, and change happens to football teams. And to, so to the opportunity to sort of see what life is like in a post-Tom Brady era, maybe that will be fun to see too. And Patriots were at a crossroads in January 07, an even bigger crossroads in 2020. Thanks for coming on the program, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. i got to say, like I told you, it's fun to talk about the past at times. I, th- I think, like you said, the this, this show is great in that, you know, history, I'm a big history buff. Um, you know, those that don't remember history are doomed to repeat it. Are the Patriots going to repeat it this offseason? That remains to be seen, but this show is a ton of fun to do. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been another episode of Remember That Game. Please rate, review, subscribe, and check out more episodes. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.